OT After Dark is a podcast run by two occupational therapists and is for adults only. We believe that sex and sexual pleasure are a human right for consenting adults, regardless of ability, age, gender, or sexual orientation. We discuss topics that cover a wide variety of intimacy and sexual practices. To be true to our strong views regarding inclusivity, we use common and slang terms regarding sexual topics, which may be considered explicit. Listener discretion is advised. We have exciting news to share. We recently partnered with DirectRec, a free app for OT practitioners, PT practitioners, and speech-language pathologists. DirectRec helps clinicians to find peer-vetted products, and we recently have added our own recommendations of products on DirectRec for sexual health and wellness. We helped DirectRec get a little extra sexy. DirectRec helps clinicians share products and other digital info, like YouTube videos and Google Docs, with their clients. DirectRec helps you to track clients' follow-through on your product recommendations. So to start using DirectRec, click on the link on our website at otafterdark.com or in our social media bios. Hi there. Welcome to OT After Dark. I'm Kay. And I'm JJ. And we're both occupational therapists. And we're here talking to you about sex. So you might want to wonder, we might be wondering why we're doing a podcast on sex. Um, JJ and I tend to uh, talk about all the things sex related that OTs aren't addressing, or at least that we feel like they're not addressing. Yeah, it seems to be the big ignored ADL in our profession. And the only time we really seem to be talking about it is with spinal cord injury and nothing against people with spinal cord injuries, but I think we have that area of practice covered when it comes to sex. (laughs) Um, So if that's what you're here for, uh, that's probably, you're probably not going to get a lot of that in this podcast. Um, Anything else you want to add to that? I think we're here to to change uh, how we're addressing sex and really going on this journey and figuring out, you know, what what's out there in the OT literature and what other people are are talking about. So we kind of just want to start with some definitions um, to see from all these different points of view of what sex is. So I'm going to start with the occupational therapy practice framework, um, which defines sexual activity as Engaging activities that result in sexual satisfaction and or meet relational or reproductive needs, um, which we were talking about we really like because it focuses more on the satisfaction part of that. Yeah, I really like that it's like, you know, what feels good? What is what is satisfying about sex? Not just let me put a penis in a vagina. Yeah, and it doesn't even talk about sex from the point of view that it has to actually be between two people. It just talks about that that element of satisfaction. Um In the framework, it also falls under social participation, um, where there's a definition of social participation, including engaging um, in activities at different levels of interaction and intimacy and engaging in desired sexual activity, which would be part of social participation. So that's where where we're starting at the framework. 
And so internationally, if we're looking at the World Health Organization, they're defining human sexuality as this concept that um, it includes gender identities and roles, um, eroticism, sexual orientation, intimacy, sex, and reproduction. So I feel like they even kind of go a little bit further. They go, they go a lot further, yeah, yeah, in defining that. Where is uh, AOTA at with a fact sheet? Yeah, so AOTA <laughs> has this wonderful fact sheet on sexuality and the role of occupational therapy, um, which they are defining sexual activity as holding hands and flirting, touching, kissing, masturbating, very important topic, and having sexual intercourse. Um, they so, also say... Oh, I just want to say I oh, do yeah. really like that they include masturbation because um, I don't think you really see that a lot. And as I was saying before, most of what we see is spinal cord injury, and um, and it's all just about getting back to two people coming together and, and having sex, and it's like we're pretending mm -hmm. that no one masturbates. Right? And you want to know what? Sometimes, although you know it's about two people coming together, sometimes it's not about people actually coming together. It's coming on your own. Right? <laughs> Which is where the sexual satisfaction thing comes into play. Everybody should be coming. Everybody should be coming. <laughs> So, and then here, so AOTA says, as such, occupational therapists include sexuality as part of a routine evaluation of clients. Bullshit! <laughs> nobody is doing this. Well, there, I'm not saying nobody, but it's not a routine part. No. If it says it's a routine part of evaluation, it is definitely not a routine part of evaluation. No. No. There may be some OTs out there that are, that it's part of theirs, but globally, you know, across the board... I'd say most OTs are not talking about this during their initial evaluation. If we had research to support that, we would give it to you. But as you will discover, uh, as we still keep talking, there's not a lot of research on this topic. No. But I think most of you would agree. Most of the OT practitioners would agree out there that um, not everybody is, is bringing that up, especially not on an initial evaluation. No. No. And I think that comes down to the comfort level of talking about sex. Like, hey, I've just met you. Let's talk about boning. Like... <laughs> You don't do that in our team house. Right. <laughs> All right, so um, let's get into some of the research. I found some articles. Let's start in the kind of realm of education and what new practitioners are being taught. Um, I found some articles. This first one, Exploring the Activity of Daily Living of Sexual Activity, a Survey in Occupational Therapy Education, written by... Helene Lohman and Alexandra Cobran. I hope I said your names right. Um, I think it's interesting. Some of the things they found, most education about sexual activity was provided in classes that focused on aging, physical rehabilitation, and physical dysfunction, which I think supports what we've already kind of, we already think is the problem. Um, and said the least talked about were considering burns, cancer, diabetes, mental illness, cerebral palsy, um, and sexually transmitted infections. And what do you think, JJ? I think those are areas we should probably be talking about sexual activity. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> Especially like when we're talking about like cerebral palsy, um, any, any of those congenital physical disabilities, you know, I think society really views them as being asexual and nobody's like talking about that with them. Which I, it reminds me, I was just reading that tweet to you about how, Disabled parking spots shouldn't be beyond 8 to 5. What was it? 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. Because people with disabilities shouldn't be out past 5 p.m. Um, that was a legitimate tweet. I don't think that person was joking. And I think that goes into this idea that people with a disability um, are somehow this 
other, in this other category that doesn't engage in not just sex, doesn't go out to dinner, doesn't go to a bar, doesn't go to the movies, yeah, (laughs) doesn't work. Um, um, I'm pretty sure the guy that takes my movie tickets at the theater I go to most often has CP, so clearly he's out at dark working. Working. Um, so that was interesting. I was really interested in this article. It, it, it goes into um, specific clinical conditions that educational programs are addressing sexuality with. And the lowest was orthopedic conditions. Which I find fascinating. I mean, you got to really think about those hip precautions. Like, how are we in spinal precautions? How are we not talking about sex with somebody with a new hip, a new knee, who just had back surgery? Um, not surprisingly, the number one was, was spinal cord injury. Um, I was impressed that second to spinal cord injury is aging. So we are addressing it apparently with, um, aging population. Yeah. But we're, we're not talking about it with autism. We're not talking about it with burns or cancer, diabetes. Um, these are all kind of on those lower ends of, of what, programs are teaching there's yeah intellectual disabilities came in right about 40 percent of programs said that they were addressing with intellectual disabilities um and then there's a whole slew of chronic conditions that aren't even um as as jj knows i'm really interested in ibd crohn's and ulcerative colitis um that's just not even mentioned in most ot literature (laughs) uh but we should probably be considering especially sometimes if there's an ostomy involved we should probably be considering yeah, uh, that segment of the population, right? Especially as OT practitioners, we're considering sexual activity to be an activity of daily living. These are things that are critical to your daily lives. Um, there's this, another, a very similar article. I think these surveys had to have been done really close to each other. But sexual functioning and occupational therapy education: a survey of programs. I'm probably going to butcher these names, Kate. Ooh, eggless Exeter. I'm sorry. And Sheridan Webb. But here's there's one specific thing I highlighted. Let me just read this to you. In this survey of education programs um, and how they're addressing sexual activity, it says, and I quote, one respondent felt that sexuality should be covered elsewhere. So where? Where where else <laughs> are we gonna be talking about sex? Where is that? And then <laughs> I can't quite figure that out. The same survey said that um only 15% of respondents said that it was being addressed in fieldwork settings. 15%? Now, did you? I, it was addressed in my fieldwork setting. I think they did it in part. It was amusing for them to force the student to go talk to a patient. But I appreciated that they made me do it. And it wasn't yeah. an orthopedic. Uh, the, the first patient I, will, I remember addressing it was um, an orthopedic. She had had back surgery. Okay. And she was all in. She was all about getting back to her boyfriend. Hey, it's important. <laughs> she wanted, I gave her the, the. we had like a handout to give. And then she called me at like 7.30 a.m. the next day and left a message in the clinic saying she wanted the video that she read about in the handout. Um, so it was definitely addressed in my field work. How about yours? No, we did not talk about it one bit. Um, granted, though, I will tell you, two of my field works, one level one and one level two, was in pediatrics. Uh, mostly working with preschool students, so probably not the appropriate time no. to be talking about sex. Um, but also, it, I did a mental health rotation, and, and we did not address sex at all. Really? Yeah. Which I find surprising. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So I think what we're getting at uh, is there's a problem. 
Yeah. <laughs> There's we're, a problem. We're seeing it across it's, the board. It's here. listed there as an ADL, and um, we kind of, it's talked about in OT education, and then it's, um, it kind of gets lost somewhere in practice. Um, and we're going to explore that a little more. All right, so I want you guys to imagine for a second, what would your life be like without sex and without sexual pleasure? Now, we understand some people are asexual, and I don't want to offend anyone. We want to be culturally competent. But, I mean, really, think about that. No orgasms. No, not even orgasms. No, like, that feeling of, of holding a hand or that feeling when, like, a hand of someone you really like, like, brushes up against you. Right. Yeah, or that, like, tender embrace that you have with someone, right? Right? So, you know, again, as OTs, we are client-centered, right? So this is what's important to people. This is why we're talking about it. Here's where we're at. Could you imagine not being able to get a good hug? Oh, that'd be awful. Oh, my goodness. I love a good hug. I love a good hug. Oh. I mean, you know, there is this this stigma about talking about sex and that it's, you know, it's it's, it's dirty or naughty and we shouldn't be doing it. But, I mean, come on. We are seeing people naked all the time. I have seen every shape, size, configuration of vaginas and penises that you could imagine. Yeah. So it's clearly not an issue of nudity that no. we're afraid of as OTs. No. So what is it? Right? What is it? So we did just read that article. I thought it was an interesting point that our profession was found uh, by kind of middle, upper class, educated white women. Um, that didn't talk about such things. I don't know if that's part of it. It's an interesting thought. Now, I do think those women were badasses for what they did in the early 1900s. Right. But were they really thinking that it was going down this idea of, of sexual activity and, and helping people engage in those? I don't know. Right. And, like, as we're talking about this, too, like, if we think about it, you know, most of the research that we're looking at, now I say most, not all, you know, they're looking at sex from this perspective that it's, you know, middle class, monogamous, and heterosexual. A penis going in a vagina. Right. That too. And that's it. And that's not all it is. Straight sex that's yeah. just one thing. And often just kind of a couple of positions. We're not yeah. even really getting outside of. And sometimes one-sided. Yes. Like we're not we're not talking about the female pleasure no. center here. <laughs> no, you don't see a lot of that. There is some talk in textbooks. I mean, there's certainly talk about female and male orgasms, um, but other than the actual like physio- physiology of the orgasm, then it doesn't seem to go past that. And again, yeah. it's always almost always related to after a spinal cord injury, after a stroke. It's kind of like the people that were having normal sex lives before and then have an injury or an incident. And then how do you return to sex? And then this assumption that if you were born with any issue, whether it be outright physical issue or or emotional things, or social mental things, health. mental health, that somehow sex doesn't apply. Intimacy doesn't apply. Dating doesn't apply to, to those populations. Yeah. What I do like, so there's this article from Diane Richardson about constructing sexual citizenship, theorizing sexual rights, and really taking this human rights-based approach to sexuality, that sex um, and sexual satisfaction are human right. So what are some of those rights? So the right to participate in sexual activity. Woo-hoo! The right to sexual ex- <laughs> The right to sexual expression and pleasure. The right to sexual and reproductive self-determination. The right to self-definition of sexual identity. 
the right to self-expression of one's sexual identity, the right to develop diverse sexual identities in an unhindered manner, the right to consent to sexual practices in personal relationships, the right to freely choose one's sexual partners, and the right to publicly recognize sexual relationships. So can we talk about the pleasure one? Yeah. Because I feel like that, I feel like we just really miss it. So when we, when we, when you look at the textbooks, it's all about it's this very mechanical activity analysis of positions, again, to make sure that a penis can get inside a vagina. I don't, I feel like there's no talk of positions to make sure like a clit can get touched the right way. Right, that you're rubbing on the clit in such a way that, you know, that you feel pleasure. And there's not a lot of like, even like stroking, like stroking other body parts. It's literally like analyzing an activity to get a penis and a vagina. I don't really see... Like the concept of mutual masturbation. I'm not saying there's not pleasure in that, but that certainly doesn't guarantee pleasure. Right, <laughs> right. And not everybody gets off that way, let's no, be honest. No, not everyone gets off that way. Um, so what other, you know, and I think, and I think about this too. So when we're talking about this idea of sexual rights and, you know, penis and a vagina and someone who may have had, you know, spinal cord injury or CP that their, you know, penis or vagina might not feel might, there might not be sensation there. So those erogenous zones might be elsewhere and we might have to explore the body in different ways. But even not if there's feeling there, what if something happened? There is no penis or vagina. Like that's true. Yeah. I mean, there's all burns, Mm -hmm. high level amputations, um, cancer. I mean, I've, I've had some patients who had, um, vulvar can't vulva. I can't say it. (laughs) (laughs) Cancer of the vulva. Um, and so everything has changed down there because of the like radical surgeries that are going on. So um, what if you just don't have those parts that right. we consider the, the required parts for sexual activity? Like you said, we need to explore all these other erogenous zones. And, and how else can they experience sexual satisfaction, you know, beyond that traditional sex that we're constantly seeing? Um. Anything else from that article? Um, there's also, well, that that was a disability rights, but kind of, to, or um, sexual rights, sorry, as a human right. Um, and so Margaret McGrath, and I am so sorry, I cannot say this name, Dikaios Sacalirio. We're going to so learn it. Sorry. I swear we we're going to learn it because we, we know you've written a lot. We just found you on Twitter. We'll figure out how to and say it. And we love all of the research that you're doing, and I apologize. Um, but the article is, Why has so little progress been, been made in the practice of occupational therapy in relation to sexuality? Which, one, is a great question, and is kind of why we're here. Um, but, you know, talking about this, that this rights-based approach, that people with disabilities have the same rights to sexuality as able-bodied people do and that these rights need to be protected by governments um, and that sexual rights should not be seen as less important than other human rights. What do you think about that? So I think that's the whole, I mean, that's why we're here. Right. <laughs> that's, in why a nutshell. Wanna, that's why we in a nutshell, um, that's why we want to do this podcast. And that is what our first season the way we talk about that with such big, big thoughts, our first right. season. <laughs> um, that's what we want to focus on. Um, these areas that we're not addressing and why has there not been progress? Right. Why are we not talking about these things? Anybody have any thoughts as to why we're not talking about these and things? And so, so on that note, um, you can find us, uh, Twitter, 
OT After Dark on Twitter. We're OT After Dark on Instagram. We're OT After Dark on Facebook. We are also <laughs> OTAfterDark.com. Um, and then, and so on all of those sites, you can you can direct message us or you can publicly tweet or post on Facebook however you want. Um, and then also, if you're listening within the Anchor app, um, there's a place where you can, I think it's called Drop Us a Line, um, and you can actually leave a, a voice message that we might use in a, in a future podcast to answer your question. But we would love to know, yeah, your thoughts. Um, do you have thoughts on why we're not progressing? Are there areas that you really think we need to be talking about? Um, do you have a certain area of expertise that you um, want to come on this podcast? We can interview on the podcast. Might want to share some of your knowledge and expertise with with the community. Some of the things we're kind of, we're, we're, we have planned in the future. Um, I kind of alluded it to, bef- to earlier in the podcast. I'm very interested um, not just in sexual activity in the, in the inflammatory bowel disease community um, in kind of all aspects of occupation. But for, for this podcast, we're going to kind of focus on sexual activity and not just with ostomy, but with some of the symptoms that come with living with IBD looking at um, accessibility of sex toys and, you know, sex toy modifications to, to achieve that sexual pleasure and sexual satisfaction. Uh, we want to talk about sexual activity in the geriatric community. As well as the LGBTQ community. Um, people with intellectual disabilities. We kind of talked earlier, too, about CP. Um JJ here has been looking at BDSM. So yeah, really looking at some alternative sexual practices and how, um, you know, those, especially like BDSM, the the idea is uh, really based around sexual communication and how that importance of communication with partners really enhances that. Um, so that that's where we're at for this season. We're we're taking you on a journey. We're we're kind of taking you on a little. <laughs> kind of we're doing a research article or slash journal club. <laughs> we're, we're getting deep into the literature and we want to share it with you. And we want to, we want to talk about that as the season progresses. Yeah, and we want to know your thoughts on, uh, on all topics that relate to sex and sexual satisfaction, not just sex, sexual satisfaction. And on that note, I'm going to say cheers. Cheers. And remind Pay. everyone that sex is an ADL. Cheers. Cheers.